Coming up in this episode of The Ziggler Show, Tom Ziggler recently quipped during a recording, do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? And it just stopped me as the question itself really flips our paradigm. I mean, we inherently think our beliefs are simply based on facts. That's what a belief is, right? And yet what we find in the following conversation is our beliefs can be held in a way that, as Tom said, limits us or unleashes our potential. And it's not mere semantics. If you're willing to consider that our beliefs are not based on proven fact, but on decided choice. And that doesn't negate absolute truths like gravity. And for those of you who are thinking spiritually, this is why it's actually called having faith, not you know, having proof. I mean, this show has the potential to really jack up some of your doctrine, but also elevate your capability. If this episode sparks questions you want to dig into further on and take the topic from just hearing to truly learning and applying, come grapple with us in my new community at driven to live.co. I'm a foodie and I enjoy learning about the process that brings great foods and beverages from idea to the table. And then I like tasting them and learning the nuances of what creates the most significant tastes from coffee to cheese to distilled beverages. I did a tequila tasting in Mexico and recently bourbon, Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon really impressed me from the story to the taste. I grew up in Kentucky where horse racing and bourbon are famous and I got introduced to Heaven Hill bottled in bond bourbon. It's produced by Heaven Hill Distillery, which has been and still remains family owned since 1935. And I'm impressed with the bourbon's ultra-rich, smooth taste. And right on the bottle, it states that this bourbon is seven years old, which is actually three times longer than what's required to be certified as bottled in bond. I feel with beverages, the longer the prep, the better the taste. Being a bottled in bond product means it must pass a list of seven requirements that set the standard for this quality bourbon. So look for it at your local store. Heaven Hill reminds you to think wisely and drink wisely. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. Welcome to The Ziggler Show, a top-ranked all-time career podcast in Apple Podcasts. I'm your host, Kevin Miller. In this show, we expound on Zig Ziggler's be, do, and have philosophy, meaning you have to be the right kind of person and do the right things before you can expect to have what really matters in life. And we want you to have what matters. Also, check out my podcast, What Drives You, where we talk with people who have reached impressive achievements to ask what drove them, good and bad. And we dig into the very motives that drive us all with the goal of clarifying just what is driving you. Then in my True Life podcast, we want to get you fully functioning physically so your body doesn't hold you back. You can find all three of my shows in Apple Podcasts. Just search for Kevin Miller or go to my website, kevinmiller.co. And if you're new to The Ziggler Show, I invite you to visit ziggler.com. Connect with Tom Ziggler and the Ziggler family about upcoming events and how they can come alongside you and help you inspire your true performance. In Ziegler episode 936, 
as you and I were chatting and reading through listener comments, Tom, you made the statement or asked the question, do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? And you said it in response to some comments that we were, we were reading about in the show. And I just, I I wrote it down when you said it and, and kind of put it in bold and you kept talking. And then you said something later and I came back up to it and said, we need to do a show on this. Because it just got me thinking. And this morning or prior to this show, I was thinking about it and and kind of wrote out some different areas. But do my, I mean, I think it's easy to hear and let it go, but to really think, do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? I think why it caught me is because I, I, I don't know. I don't think of my core beliefs in context of that. I didn't filter them through. They're just my beliefs. And we make our beliefs based on generally what we think is actually fact when in fact, it's generally not. It's just our perception and our perceived reality of, of something that somebody could see totally differently. Yada, yada. So there we are. I, I was intrigued by it, obviously. Where did you, where did that phrase question germinate from? Yeah. So here's the origin story. So I was uh, texting back and forth with Jason Friend. Jason's one of our speakers. Uh, he actually, wrote the curriculum and teaches the Ziegler Speakers Institute. He's an unbelievable presenter. So he's up in front of tens of thousands of people on a regular basis. Tom, Tom, can I just tell people, if you hear that and that sounds interesting, go to Ziegler.com, click on events. And if there are any upcoming Speakers Institute events or, you know, whatever's happening, you can find it there. So go ahead. Yep. Or you can just email me, Tom at Ziggler.com. Even better. Okay. And just say, Tom, I want to know more. Yeah. Okay. So he sends me this text and there was a client that he was working with and they wanted him to come in and do some sales training. So Jason says, um, his question is, what would you say are the three most important principles to get salespeople to motivate themselves? So if you've got a business and you got salespeople and, and gosh, you know, you can't be responsible for motivating them 24 seven. And if you're an owner or working for yourself or you work for someone else, you got to motivate yourself. So here are my three answers. Okay. So this is just off the top of the head, 56 years of Ziegler. Why belief and self-image? Okay. So you got to know your why you got to know what your beliefs are and you got to have the right kind of self-image. So that's how you motivate yourself. You know, what are you going to do it for? What do you believe and how do you view yourself? So the reason, so he comes back and says reason to do what they do, i.e. golden thread belief, i.e. positive mental attitude. So he's, 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 he's digging here and he says self-image, i.e. You are what you are because of what's gone into your mind, your brain. So create a positive self self image. Correcto. <laughs> Golden thread is my term for your life's purpose. Okay. So that's, so Jason, when he speaks, he talks about creating the golden thread, your life's purpose. So this is my response back to him. What's your, why do your core beliefs limit or unleash you? So that's where it comes from. Does your self-image allow you to maximize your potential? 
Okay. Keep going. And, Keep going. And then add a plan of action with accountability on top of these three things and you get Zig Ziglar. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay. 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 Uh, so go back. So do uh, the other ones make sense to me or, or they resonate, I should say, but do my core beliefs limit or unleash my potential? Because again, I'm, I'm going to come back to it. I think why it caught my attention is because my, uh, it, it, what hit is I don't filter them through that. I think my core beliefs are based on what I have perceived as reality slash and what I want them to be. Um, but some of them, I mean, if I believe, you know, if I believe America is just going to hell in a handbasket, right? Well, that's just something that I, I witness. I'm not saying I do, but you know, I can hear some we see that in media, these kind of beliefs on what's happening, you know, the economy, the, um, you know, global warming and the pandemic and jobs and yada, yada, we can go down. And we just think, I, I believe that this we're headed towards some bad, bad directions. Well, that's not, does that limit or unleash my potential? Cause now what it makes me look at is go, well, that's not a belief that I want. Now, it may be a belief that I think is true, but do I want to stand on that as a belief? How can I restructure that belief to something that gives me potential? Gosh, and as I say that, it's almost like a, a victim mentality or not. Do I want to say it in a way? Because I don't. I don't want to say I think you know, well, I, chronic illness disease. Here's one. I, I Help me with this, Tom. Okay, school me here or, or help me walk through it. If I look at chronic illness and disease right now, I believe it is catastrophic. It is headed. It's un, unsustainable. We're on a hockey stick curve of all of the chronic illness and diseases getting worse. More people having chronic illness and disease. I mean, we know the stats on that. So is that, is that a belief though? Or is that just a commentary Maybe help me play with that first. It's not a belief. How, and so how do I take a belief and attach it to that? What do you think? So, yeah. I'm, uns- so, I'm, I'm playing with it. So your core belief is that catastrophic illness is on a hockey stick and we're all doomed. My belief. Maybe that's where I'm going wrong. It's not a belief. It's a... Uh, it's a, uh, it's a report. I mean, I'm looking at it. I'm looking at this. Yeah. Well, here's a core, here's a core belief. Okay. Um, some people learn in biology class that their DNA determines everything. Okay. And so they have no control over any type of disease that they're going to get because it's already written in their genes. Right. And so because no matter what I do, I'm going to end up how I'm going to end up. It doesn't matter whether I drink or smoke or eat, uh, you know, handfuls of MSG along with anything, you know, with, with my life. Yeah. Cause I have no control. So my core belief is that my DNA has already determined it. There's nothing I could do about it. Mm -hmm. and so that's going to limit your potential Mm -hmm. because you're going to be not only unhealthy but 
the truth is, the reality is, is that our our actions, our behaviors, our habits, and our thinking all impacts our genes for good or for, for bad. We, we actually have some control over what our genes do. We, our lifestyle can change uh, our lifespan. So if you believe there's nothing you can do, then you're limiting your potential. Well, and there it's a genetics, and then we have epigenetics. Right. Um, so this morning I had a conversation with one of our coaches. His name is uh, Dane Deutsch, and for close to 30 years, he's been a gymnastics coach. Hmm. And today, uh, and he teaches college education at a university. So kind of cool, right? So he's working with kids from pre-K to to the highest level in a, in gymnastics, yeah. and then he's teaching uh, ethics in college. And today on our Choose to Win uh, mentoring, which we offer, uh, he was on, and I kind of brought up the core beliefs, either limit or unleash you. And so on the call that we had just after that, he said, you know, the number one core belief that I'm dealing with, with, with his gymnasts, primarily young, young girls who are coming in is they believe that failure is bad. And anybody who points out failure is bad. So they are being taught in school that failing is a mistake. Failing is bad. So he says it's very difficult for them to convince these young girls to try a new maneuver, a, a, a new uh, gymnastics movement, because they know they're going to fail and failing's bad. So through positive reinforcement and saying, no, failing is learning and learning is good. You can't learn to do it perfectly until you learn to do it halfway, until you learn to do it poorly. Like Zig Ziglar said, anything worth doing, it's worth doing poorly until you learn to do it well. So you've got this whole group of kids that are coming through his gym who have this fear of failing at anything. And then if somebody points out, hey, you didn't get a 10 out of 10, you got a 6 out of 10, then that person is bad and is out meant to harm them. So where are you going to go in your life if you're unwilling to ever try anything new unless you can be perfect at it? That's limiting your potential. Yeah. So in the book uh, by Carol Dweck, The Growth Mindset, she talks about the difference between a fixed mindset and a growth mindset. And basically, the Reader's Digest version is going back to the specific belief that failure is bad is people with a fixed mindset, if something comes easy to them and they master it quickly, they keep doing more and more of it. And then they cap out wherever they start failing. Mm -hmm. They don't, they don't keep at it to the mastery level. They just get really good until they start failing. And then their brain is, well, with a fixed mindset, if I fail, that means I can't learn it. It's fixed. I can't grow. And things that they weren't good at in the beginning, then they never try again. I know people who've literally 
swung a golf club one time, stood on skis one time, missed the ball, fell down on the skis and said, I'm not doing this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I believe it was more the fear of failure than it was any, what else could it be? So their fixed mindset was, well, I didn't, I didn't ski perfectly the first time. I didn't hit the ball the first time. Therefore, I'm no good at it. And since my brain can't learn anything, I'm either good at it or I'm not. My belief is, is I either can or I can't. Not that I can learn. Then that limits your belief. And so your core be- or that limits your potential. Your core belief, can I learn and grow? In this case, either limits or unleashes your potential. Okay, let me come up. Let me come back up to it then to belief to talking about that, because we talk so much about our beliefs, especially in a faith based aspect, Christianity, or, you know, whatever your your viewpoint is, but we, we talk about beliefs, very flippantly. And we again, come back to those as things that we, we really think to be true. Um, and yet as I'm, so I'm thinking back on my analogy of, you know, chronic illness disease, how about if I start saying, if you ask me, Kevin, what are your observations on the culture right now? Good and bad. I can list out a lot of things that I have observed. And so I observe the stats. I observe, you know, people literally in my life ill and, and diseased and handicapped and, uh, lacking in capacity. And then I see the stats as well. So these are all observations. What do I believe though? Do I believe that we're going to hell in a handbasket or do I believe there's hope? Do I want to believe him? Because ultimately we're coming back to, I mean, belief it's, it's based on faith. What do I, how many things can we say with absolute certainty? And I know we're getting into faith-based doctrine on absolute truths and whatever, but if we look at our day-to-day life, how many things are we saying we believe we have faith in that are based on absolute, irrefutable, scientifically proven or otherwise fact? There's very certainty. I, I, I find fewer things that I say, I don't know about certainty, but I do have to make a decision every day. We're all having decisions to make based on where we choose to put our faith based on, I found myself playing with this, Tom, with my, uh, especially my boys, I've got 15 and 16 year old boys who are so, um, they, uh, they're, they keep me on, on, uh, on the level on trying to explain things, you know, on based on what I believe. And so I've, found myself instead of saying, Hey, this is what I believe saying, look to the best of my knowledge at 50 years old, through everything I've experienced and and the amount of effort I've made towards X, the best I can come up with is this. And that's where I'm choosing to place my faith. Now, where are you choosing to place your faith from a faith-based standpoint? I can't prove it. I can't, I could say with personal conviction based on what I feel is certainty, but I can't showcase it to you in a proven way. I, through everything that I've looked at, matter of fact, I can't get myself not to believe in God and and specifically Jesus Christ as, as deity can't prove it. Lots of stuff out there, you know, for and against that. A lot of the constructs of the the Christian faith, even that I struggle with, man, I got to say 
as opposed to other options, that's one, that's the one. So I'm choosing to place my faith in there. How does that line up with play with that with me, Tom observations. These are observations, but what do you believe? Should belief be a hopeful, active, what's the opposite of a victim? A victor, a victor. Okay. A victor statement, uh, a, a, a statement of hope and expectation. You are listening to The Ziegler Show and this episode on how our beliefs can limit or launch us. Next, Tom uses dogs as an analogy to showcase how we so often have beliefs based upon our experiences, which are not in fact black and white truths, and how this can radically alter our lives for the worse, and we can come to a new understanding that, I'm going to say, re-beliefs us. I live high up in the Rocky Mountains where the air is clean and fresh as possible, but then I step indoors and I'm breathing in untold amounts of toxins and allergens from paint and carpet and cleaning chemicals and pets and furniture and appliances and mold and so on. Studies show the indoor air is two to five times more polluted than the outdoor air anywhere you are. And in some places it's a hundred times worse than that. Well, the solution is to get an air purifier and air doctor is just the best out there. It filters out 99.99% of dangerous contaminants and allergens such as pollen and pet dander and dust mites and mold and even bacteria and viruses. So your lungs don't have to try to do that. Air Doctor comes with a 30-day money-back guarantee, so if you don't love it, just send it back for a refund minus shipping. Go to airdoctorpro.com. You can use the promo code KEVIN, and depending on the model, you'll receive up to 39% off or up to 300 bucks. Exclusive to podcast customers, you will also receive a free three-year warranty on any unit, which is an additional $84 value. So to get the special deal, go to AIR. D-O-C-T-O-R-P-R-O dot com. Use promo code Kevin. Thankfully, the days of building a business website, then having this massive endeavor to integrate an online store are gone. Today, Shopify has fixed all that. I had one business where we actually built the entire website on Shopify's platform. So whether you're just starting out or you're selling a million bucks of product already, Shopify is just the industry leader. It works the same for physical products or online and digital, and Shopify is just hands down the best out there. Most importantly, Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. It's 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Getting people to buy is not that hard, at least to the buying point, but getting them to actually give their payment info is, and Shopify is king in that department. They also have top-tier customer service, which I think is critical. You can sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash Kevin. That's all lowercase. Go to shopify.com slash Kevin to grow your business no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash Kevin. Friends, I'm pretty candid about my lack of financial prowess. Money and numbers are fairly Greek to me, so I need a lot of guidance. One of my closest friends is a wildly successful wealth manager, and I'm working on some financial literacy and just continually seeking guidance. So I ask you to check out yahoofinance.com. Nobody knows it all, and Yahoo Finance is an incredible resource for the rookies like me or the seasoned investors. You know, before my dad passed away recently, Dave Ramsey and his wife, Sharon, flew down to visit. We all got to spend a day together, and I was at 
yahoofinance.com just now, I saw multiple news flashes from Dave and other people that you respect. And they're hitting so many of the hottest areas in finance today. So it's a place to get a snapshot of all aspects of your financial interests. And if you have them, your portfolios. I hadn't realized Yahoo Finance is the number one finance destination, producing a holistic look at the financial news cycle, including breaking news, original editorial perspectives, analyst ratings, independent research, customizable charts, and so much more. So for your comprehensive financial news and analysis, visit the brand behind every great investor, yahoofinance.com, the number one financial destination, yahoofinance.com. One more time. YahooFinance.com. Well, we'll go with the dyslexic form of God. Okay. So imagine a dog. Okay. All right. So you're a little kid and it's your first time out in your yard by yourself. You know, you're two and a half, three years old. You're, still within eyeshot of your parents and you, you wander over to the side and this dog comes up and all you've seen is dogs on TV and this dog comes up and it just starts getting after you, biting your arm. And so immediately you do what any two and a half, three year old does. You panic, you freak out, you cry, you look down your arm's bleeding, your your mom or dad comes over, rescues you from the dog, they hit the dog, the dog runs off, and now for the rest of your life, you are convinced that all dogs are evil and out to get you. Mm-hmm. Because that was your experience. And so I know our family included that the dogs we've had have added more to our life than just about any relationship we've ever had. So that belief that the dog is vengeful and evil and attacks and hurts you when you're defenseless, if that's the belief that you choose to live with the rest of your life, you're going to be uncomfortable in many, many social situations because dogs are around and you're never going to have all the things that dogs bring to a family. Mm-hmm. Is it understandable you have that belief? Yeah. I mean, traumatized as a kid, is it overcomable, right? I mean, can you change that belief? A hundred percent. Will that change the satisfaction and enjoyment of your life if, if you've switched that wrong belief out for a right belief? Because what's the right belief? The right belief is not all dogs can be trusted. But once, once you know the dog, yeah, then it's, then it's all good. And so then we get into to faith. We, we get into our concept of our Heavenly Father. Uh, is our Heavenly Father all about uh, looking for our sin and condemning us? And making sure that, you know, we do enough good to warrant favor. Is that the belief we have? Well, that's going to dictate how you live life, mm-hmm. right? It, it's going to dictate uh, how much enjoyment you get, how much guilt you feel. <laughs> or is is it a gracious uh, 
loving Savior who sacrificed everything and every every requirement, every every rule, every commandment, every animation, or adam, you know, everything that's in there that says you should, you should. When we dig into it, is it because just like we don't let our two-year-old play in the street, is it is it really for our own good? Yeah. Right. Well, those are two different beliefs mm-hmm. around around God. So, your do your core beliefs limit or unleash your potential? Mm-hmm. And the big one right now, uh, this isn't faith, but it's in the business world. There are millions of leaders who are trying to figure out all of the change, all the disruption. Yeah. I mean, we've got, you know, it's called the great resignation, millions and millions and millions of people quitting jobs. <laughs> and what's keeping and an, an people employed now, what are they looking for in an employer? They're, they want more. I mean, they want more money. Yeah, everybody wants more money. What they want is a place where uh, they can grow, where they feel like they're wanted, where they're where they're where there's a professional and personal development plan, and where the place where they work has a a vision bigger than that they can buy into, right? A vision they can buy into, and they treat each other with virtues, and then they understand that being a successful human being and balanced success really makes for a great team member. And so they're, they're actually willing to help that individual grow in the seven areas of life, helping them to achieve personal and professional goals. So that's what the new, the new person wants. But if your core belief is, hey, you, you show up and from, from this time until this time, uh, the, the contract is real simple. I pay you X and you do Y. If that's your core belief, you're not going to do anything extra. Well, good, good luck, because you're going to find some people who like that. But the odds are they're not the top performers. Mm-hmm. They're not the ones that bring the intangibles. They're not the ones who, who turn around and support other people on the team who are going through a hard time. And so everybody's core belief kind of falls somewhere in between those extremes, mm-hmm. Right personal ownership and accountability for my own success and then corporate responsibility to lift other people up. And I'm just, I'm just telling you that if your core belief is we're all in it on our own. I mean, here's a basic one. Is our purpose in life to be served or to serve others? Why are we here? Well, and that's okay. So let's, let me come back up this show. This came, this question, not this question, the statement question that you brought to us, Tom here, that you brought up in show episode nine thirty six, And in that show, we were reading responses to uh, me posting and asking people, if I ask you to tell me the positive attributes of someone in your life, whom you like and respect, you'd easily do it. If I ask you to rattle off the positive attributes of yourself, how does it initially feel? And one of the things that we came to there, uh, Tom, you actually, I had it in my notes and then you brought it up preemptively was back to your dad, Zig Ziglar's self-talk cards where you're saying these statements about yourself. 
and they're really aspirations. I mean, some of them, maybe you are that and it's a confirmation, but a lot of them are aspirational. I like to even think of them as prophetic. These are things that I want to become. Uh, but you said, how about first starting off or not first, but just also starting off with go ahead and make a list of what is. So for us personally to think about what are our beliefs, observations, beliefs, I would say beliefs though, of what are the positive attributes of Kevin Miller? What are the things that I think I am really good at that I actually have? It was in that show too, Tom, and you talked about the difference between knowledge and wisdom. And I actually asked you about that. And you see, knowledge is the stuff that we you know, hear and, and bring in. Wisdom is what we actually act upon. And I've played with that. You know, we, we may do another show on that because I've been playing with that as well. Because I think it's something that I grapple with. It's something that I have some overcoming success with. That's when I actually uh, gain, gain wisdom. So what are the things that I have engaged with in my life that I actually have some expertise in? I've got some skill, talent, gift, call it what you want. I've got some wisdom to offer. And I've got a, a good list. There's a list of stuff that I have know nothing about. I have nothing to offer. But what is? So what do I believe about myself? And then the next one that I was playing with, Tom, is what could be? What do I believe really could be? What do I think I really am capable of? I think we spend a lot of time discounting ourselves on things that we think we're not capable of. And on those, I would say, why? And we played with that one. You know, Shaquille O'Neal, that was your dad's story. You know, could he believe that he could be a great jockey, horse jockey? Uh, that would be a pretty errant belief. It's pretty physiologically impossible. There are, we all do have limits. We're not limitless, but what do we believe about ourselves? What is, what could be, what do we have the capacity, the ability to do? What can we increase our capacity and, and, and ability in? What do we really feel about ourselves? And then the other, you know, that's what personally, and then we're going to take it out here and say, talk about the culture, which we've been talking about, talk about the economy, talk about chronic illnesses. What do we, what do we believe? Is there any hope? I, mean, I, I again, I like this because it really calls us to the mat on what our life perspective is day to day, what we're waking up and going out the door with, looking at the news with, talking to our kids about, interacting with friends, family, coworkers about. It's based on these things that we've said we believe, but have we ever filtered them on, am I walking forward today under a, I was going to say a cloud, that sounds negative, but under an umbrella or on the foundation of beliefs that are limiting or unleashing my potential. And I guess we could dumb that down and just say that are positive or negative. Am I going forward today on core beliefs that are just negative? If I am, I'm limiting my belief. I'm being a victim. But again, it's not saying that anything's possible, but where are our core beliefs? It's really interesting, Tom. I'm, I'm, I'm tempted to make a list of some of the things that I believe about me, which we could say is affirmation, but I believe about me. I believe about the culture. I believe about my own opportunity and it is hard not to go to a faith-based standpoint because we're getting into the purpose of life. What the heck is the meaning of any of this anyways? I mean, that really does come in there. That's another belief. Are we going forward with the belief that there is something bigger going on, that I am not ultimately totally alone, that it's not totally all up to me? That's some daunting stuff, but I, have we, are, we, are we filtering, are we taking captive the beliefs that we have? Yeah, I think it's a great call to bring us back to make a list of what, do, what do we believe? We talk about goals so often, Tom, you know, what are the things that we want to go for? But what do we, 
if we have beliefs that are underneath that, undergirding that, that are sabotaging or supporting, and that sequentially seems more important than even our goals. What are our beliefs? And we're full of, I'm just so aware, Tom, of the media, not just social media, media and what you call, what we call news. It's not really news, it's public opinion that we go out, man, it's, it's a lot of primarily, if it bleeds, it leads, man, it's based on limiting beliefs. That's what sells attention, unfortunately. Yeah, so let's test this out. Okay. Um, so imagine, if you will, a world of social media where the whole system has been set up by geniuses mm-hmm. who know exactly how our brain operates at the chemical biological level and understands how we crave dopamine hits. And so the way they make money is to get us to make decisions online that more and more identify our tendencies. And with those tendencies, I can sell the data so that I can then advertise to that person and get a higher rate of return predictably, which makes the data even more valuable. So let's just suppose that's a world that we live in. And the driver for that is money, right? It's if I can bring a user in, keep them engaged for as long as possible, and through a series of choices, define who they are and create an avatar for that person that I can match with with, uh, advertisers who are willing to pay a lot of money (laughs) to have access to that person, then I've just built the cash register. Mm -hmm. Okay. Now, just imagine a world, and and I kind of got this idea out of a new book I'm reading called AI 2041, which is how's the world going to look in 20 years around uh, the way artificial intelligence has changed it. So I'm I'm curious, would you say that that book is a continuation of the future is faster than you think that you got me to read from Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler? Well, I'm only 10% into it, so I can't really tell you, but uh, they painted a pretty interesting scenario that made me buy it, which is they're going to tell seven seven to 10 stories around the major buckets of what AI is going to do in the future. And they tell a real life story of how that uh, new technology changes life. And then the, the positives and negatives and moral decisions that we have to make around it. So what if somebody created a, an app that laid over the top of all social media, YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, any of it. And in this app, we, we typed in our goals and dreams, the things that we wanted to accomplish, the subjects that we wanted to grow in. Uh, you know, for a mom, we might say, I want to be a better mom, right? I want to be a better parent too. And you can get really specific. I've got uh, kids that are, that are two and four years old and I, and I want to 
give them the best chance they can have going into school, right? So you, you if you're a business owner, an entrepreneur, a, a speaker, uh, whatever it is, if you like golf and you want to really grow that. And so you put into this uh, software or this app, everything that you want to learn more about that's going to help you achieve the goals in life that are important to you. And so now you're on social media and one of your friends posts a video and, uh, and it links you to YouTube. And so you go to YouTube and you watch that video. And then the next video in the stream isn't the eye candy that gets your dopamine going, that, that accentuates and elevates bias and moves you into a marketing funnel. Instead, it's a video served up to you based on one of the things that you've identified as something you want to be better at and learn more of. Wow. Wow. So every time you turn around, it's like, you know, God lowercase is sending you nuggets of knowledge and wisdom that you can learn. That's going to make you better at what you really want to be better at. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty cool. That would be amazing. Right. Well, let me just ask a question. Do you think that's easier or harder design what they've already done? Easier. Not harder. Oh. <laughs> it's not harder. Oh. <laughs> so, so now the best world I can think of for my grandkids who aren't even born yet would be a world of people who live and treat each other with respect and love and kindness and all these different things. I mean, these are universal human traits that for the most part, people value. What if examples of, of those things were the things that were automatically fed into us Mm -hmm. instead of the hate, the division, the contempt, the things that separate us. Mm -hmm. So our core beliefs either limit or unleash us. And so some people believe at their core that if it's going to be, it's up to me, everybody's out to take advantage of me. I better get mine because it's never, you know, if I don't get mine, somebody else is going to get it. And then there are other people who are like, no, you can have everything in life you want if you help enough other people get what they want. You have a candle that's your gifts and talents, and you search out people who need a problem solved in the area of your gift and talent, and you light their candle, there's more light in the world. So we've got two different beliefs. Well, some people end up in life happy and satisfied in their 90s, and some of them have a life filled of loneliness and regret and those core beliefs are a foundational part of it. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Now, so here's the balance. Well, that's wonderful. We should create that kind of app. And and every time you go anywhere, information that's going to help you grow and be the person God created you to become should just come flowing in, but it also has to be funded. So, 
if you went to somebody and said, hey, we can put this app on your computer right now. And instead of literally wasting three hours a day on rabbit trails, you will automatically, without even thinking about it, be given stuff that's going to take you where you want to go. And it's going to be just as enticing, but you need to pay a hundred bucks a month for it. Right. Right. How many people core belief would be a hundred bucks a month. Are you crazy? That should be free. (laughs) Yeah. So it's a, Pretty interesting thing. So I think one of the biggest limiting beliefs of people is they hesitate to invest in themselves. Yeah. And so that is a core belief that says, I'm just not worth it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's, I mean, you're talking, Tom, it's interesting you say this, as, as this comes out, I'll probably have, have told people somewhat about the new you know, community I've created. And part of that is the, you know, where you can engage with the podcast. Um, but some of it was for me of, you know, I do enjoy connecting with people. There are positive things that I like about Facebook, but you have to wade through so much junk. Can we create a private social network over here? where we can connect with people, but it's kindred spirits who are invested. They've paid some money and they're in there talking about how we can all lift and encourage each other. And there, we do need to pay for it. That's one of those. Now we're back into the coaching discussion of even if you don't need the money, charge people for coaching because they need to be invested. If they're not, they won't show up. They won't do the work. I think we do need, yeah, all this free stuff is not benefiting us. We need stuff that we're we're invested in, you know, Tom, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm tempted to task us with some of this. When we look at goals, right. And we could take the Ziegler wheel of life, seven areas. And what are our goals in there? But to back up and first say before that, what are our beliefs? What are our beliefs in these areas? What are our beliefs for ourselves and for the culture? And then maybe we also get outside of those, you know, on, especially on some of the things with the culture of what do we really believe about this country we live in, the world we live in, the direction it's going, because ultimately I want to take these, we're talking about a worldview and that's what we're ultimately talking about. What is our, each individual, our worldview, is it based around a hope and expectation or, or not? And I feel inspired for myself, Tom. I mean, I don't think I'm a negative person. I think I'm pretty positive and optimistic, but huh, I'm, I'm curious to put my money where my mouth is and go through some of these key areas and say, what are the beliefs that I go forward on? Are they frustrations? Am I being fueled by that? Is it, is it, is it negative again, or is it positive? I want to craft them. That's what I'm thinking about is value of my life of crafting my core beliefs in the key areas of life around hope and expectation 
which is, is ultimately, again, if we're saying victim is powerless, victor is powerful. How can I wrap my core beliefs about the key areas of life around hope and expectation that gives me power? I empowers a got baggage around it, but gives me again, hope and expectation. I want that in every area. How can I craft it around there? That'd be an interest. I'll, I'm going to play with that, Tom. Okay. So we're here having a conversation, unpacking it, but to look at before my goals, before the things that I say, I want to go forward. What do I believe is, and what do I really believe could be again for myself and, and for my place in the culture, that belies a lot and probably save us a lot of time. So if I'm going after a goal and realize, man, I don't really even believe I'm capable of that. I can't even envision myself doing that. Then either one, I should just get rid of it or at least, or I can become aware of it and maybe consider it more. Answer the question of why do I think I can't do that? Yeah. And when we look at the seven areas of life, um, the wheel, mental, spiritual, physical, family, financial, personal, and career. You know, I used to put people just in one bucket. Hey, you have, you either have limiting beliefs that keep you from achieving your potential or you've, you you do not have any limiting beliefs and man, you can do whatever you, you, you can pretty much do whatever you want, right? You can go and do it, but that's not the way people are. People have different levels of limiting beliefs in each one of those seven areas. And we talked about it before. If you're, if you're a great athlete, you're, you're, and you've been trained and learned how to go from, from novice to pretty good to expert, and you've been trained and coached on that process, you're probably really uh, open to learning a new sport, especially if you like it, knowing that, Failure is just part of the process and getting a little better is a lot of fun, right? The, the rewards are amazing, but you, you take that same thing and something else that's foreign to you, your belief might be, well, why bother trying? I'm terrible at this. So you don't, you don't do anything. And, and so I was talking to a friend and he has a good friend and his friend has made more money in the last two years selling, uh, testing testing equipment for semiconductors and in the previous two years his whole career was traveling all over the world you know overnight and back to to uh, asia and europe just killing himself and now he's doing this all from home either his house or, or his beach house so he's making more money and he's got more time to do all the things he loves so now the whole world has a decision well, which is the right way to do it? Which one of those is right? Maybe, and this is what I love about, uh, I think it was Rabbi Lappin, he said this. Or no, it was Jonathan Sachs, another rabbi. He said, when rabbi scholars get together, they, it's, they argue like crazy, right? To, to discuss the finer points of, of uh, Hebrew scripture, uh, but they leave best friends because their goal is not to argue to win the argument. Their goal is to argue to discover the truth. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's millions of business people right now who are, who are in a position of 
they're either their belief is I got to win the argument to preserve what I've always believed and want, or there's others who are like, well, maybe people can be more productive with a more flexible schedule and they'll actually get more done at a higher quality level. And I'll attract even better people in if I run the flag up that this is who we like, this is who we do business with. But your core belief is going to open or shut doors on either one of those for you. Yeah. Yeah. You know, okay. So yeah, this may be one we come back and revisit because you've got me thinking on a couple different tangents, even to the aspect, Tom, of you told the story earlier of, you know, beliefs that we have based on experiences. They're not true. It's just an experience. So our doctor, Dr. Randy James, brought in an allergist, is what I'm going to call her, last year. Or maybe it was earlier this, this year. And she focused on the psychology of allergies. So here's my example, Tom, that she used. She said, this is what she experienced and where she works. You have a, a given amount of people who say they're allergic to bee stings. What she has found, however, is how often what happens because we, we hear that and we think, okay, here's a bee stinger. It goes into your skin. Some people, you know, it hurts. Ouch. Not a big deal. Some people significant allergy, you know, some of it could even be life threatening, meaning that their body, this is what we think their body does not have the capacity, the strength to fight that off. There's something wrong in the body creates an allergy, reacts poorly, and that just is. And she says what she has found out that a lot of times the body is not literally, technically allergic to that, but it created one because of, and this is what you mentioned earlier, of the trauma surrounding it. Little girl at a picnic whose mom maybe is scared of bees and who's talked about her fear of bees and say, yeah, the picnic should be good, but man, I'm really scared of bees. Honey, you know, tell her husband, you think there's going to be any bees there? So they've been talking about it they've been building it up. There's some increased fear already. Um, they get around a couple of times, false alarms. And then all of a sudden that little girl, sure enough, boom, a bee mom screams, bloody murder. Everybody literally wigs out. Uh, they take the little girl, rush her to the ER, you know, huge trauma. And the body reacted to that on so many different levels beyond just that little stinger and that little, whatever, you know, poison or whatever that came in from the bee and created a literal allergic, you know, reaction. And this lady has a methodology and I'm not going to get into that. That's not the point here of going in and retraining the body. And she had, I think it's something somewhere around, uh, it's like a 60 to 80% success rate of being able to retrain that body and in essence, tell it, Hey body, you're not really allergic. You just thought you were and retrain it. And now that person is no longer allergic to bee stings. Some of them literally are, but how much of it is psychological? How many of us have these beliefs based on our experiences, perceptions, our observations that may not have been correct, or maybe they were, but they're no longer. And again, bringing us to list out what are our beliefs? I love that. Um, another factoid I learned over the weekend, because mm -hmm. that's what I love to do is learn factoids. I love it. Makes good shows. There is a universal facial expression for something that makes you really happy. And we call it the ear to ear smile. Yes. So if you smile really big, really big, 
the kind that give you crow's feet in your corner of your eyelids, anywhere in the world, that's the happy sign, right? So here's a hack for you based on what that uh, doctor on allergies just explained. You can get a wooden number two pencil and you can put it in, in your mouth like you did in elementary school and you can bite down on it with a little bit of pressure and it will create crow's feet because it's the same movement as the smile. And if you're ever feeling down or a little out, just get your number two pencil out and bite down on it and create that smile because that is the universal pathway for the feel good endorphins. Mm. When those crow's feet get created in the corner of your eyes, because there's, it's associated with something good happening. So just try it sometime where you're feeling kind of mellow and not so happy, put on a happy song, buy down on a number two pencil and just watch how your brain takes yeah. over yeah. for that. Yeah. We're back to that, you know, frustrating question. Come on. You tell me it's all in your head. Yeah, pretty much. Pretty much is. I mean, I mean, I would never, never, ever tell a story on the one whom I'm married to. Okay. Okay. Except for on this podcast. Okay. So she has the most sensitive taste buds in the history of man. Okay. So much so that she can tell what McDonald's the French fries came from. That's funny. Pretty amazing. Mm -hmm. And the only way I convinced her otherwise was we went to two McDonald's back to back. And she said, I like the first one a lot better than the second one. Their fries are always better. So I blindfolded her and I gave her two fries. And she immediately picked the one that came from the bad McDonald's. Except for I'd pulled both fries out of the same box. So, yeah. Brain games. Brain games. It, it's, it's amazing. Okay. Well, Tom, uh, I, my takeaway from this, we may come back on this. I'm going to play with it. I'm, I'm enamored with first off, just auditing my beliefs. So I'm going to be, I'm going to be thinking about that. Maybe that's what I'll come back to this with is auditing our beliefs, looking at the dirt separate areas and what's an exercise to audit our beliefs and get those in front of us to say, what do we really believe? What do we want to believe? Because that's the opportunity that we pretty much have within, I think any belief. So, uh, man, okay. I'm going to, this is, this is not a wrap up on this one. Let's yeah. So let me finish with a takeaway okay. for everybody. Okay, please. What if a well-lived life was as simple as in at least one area of life that tomorrow, because of what you've done today, you're a little bit better person. Mm -hmm. So you make a commitment to growing just a little bit in one of the areas every single day so that you are a better person. Yeah. And then when you start going around the wheel and you start picking stuff and the next day comes and you realize you didn't really do it, ask the underlying question, which is what belief 
is keeping me from doing this. Yeah. Because that's the driver. That is. So it, we, and we always say that, you know, the fastest way to success is to replace a bad habit with a good habit. A good habit with a bad, a bad habit with a good habit. Yeah. But make sure you get that sequence right. You want to make sure yeah. you replace a bad habit with a good habit. But the things that hold us back isn't, it, it's the bad habits. If all we do is add good habits, we're not going to make much progress. No. So a belief is something that you can't put duct tape around. You can't have a bad belief and put support around it and duct tape around it, trying to make it into a good belief. If you have a wrong belief, you've literally got to throw it away and replace it with a true belief. Yeah. Stout. Thank you, Tom. I realize these are deep and for many controversial topics on belief and reality. And again, I invite you to join us and some invested members at driventolive.co, where we take the issues from mere hearing to truly learning and applying. And as I said earlier, grappling with instead of just hearing more information, you can actively engage with it alongside other aspiring people who have skin in the game and want to progress together. Coming up in episode 939, I bring you a masterclass from a master on mastermind groups who doesn't even use the term, but brings her insight from a group that met back in the 1930s called the Inklings. And for you fans of C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien, this may ring a bell, Uh, but a group of authors came together and from their highly invested collaboration with each other, produced some of the greatest literary works ever. Diana Pavlak-Glyer is my guest, and her point is showcasing how intrinsically these guys were involved with each other and how even in today's mastermind groups, which is the common going term, we're really missing key elements of what truly propels us to our greatest capacity, capability, and success. And of course, our point is how we can grasp onto these things and really propel ourselves. Until then, thank you as always for letting me walk with you as we inspire our true performance together.